Hey, good morning, everybody. Good morning. morning. It's great to be here with you. Hey, it is a pleasure and an honor each week to stand right around here and lead you guys in worship, but there's also something to be said about being among you and singing those words. It's, it's truly amazing. Um, thank you for that. And thank you. Can we give a round of applause to the band? I think they did a great job. <clears throat> All right. So we're getting pretty close to the New Year's. What, what day is it? What day is it, Ryan? Sunday. I didn't know. <laughs> it's the 30th. It's the 30th, Sunday. Um, yeah, New Year's Eve is tomorrow. So it's New Year's Eve, Eve, just like Christmas Eve's Eve last year. We're keeping, the, keeping that thing going. A lot of people around this time of year decide to come up with things that they call resolutions, and they say, you know what, I'm going to change this about myself, or I'm going to stop doing this, or I'm going to start doing this. Um, I want to take a second. I know you all just sat down. I should have told, should have told you now to sit down. Um, find somebody near you. If it's somebody you know, great. If it's somebody you don't know, even better. Welcome them to the church. Um, and I want you to discuss one New Year's resolution that you maybe have decided or you are considering for 2019. Go. You've got 60 seconds. Hurry. <clears throat> No, it's, can, I, can I join? I'll listen. I want to cut out TV before bed because I stay up for hours when I could be sleeping, getting yeah. great sleep, just watching TV that I've seen before. That's true. I want to exercise more. Which you will find out is actually the number one resolution that people come up with. Sometimes. I need to go. It's it's been a while. <clears throat> Marathon. I don't know about that. <clears throat> All right, fifty-seven, fifty-eight, fifty-nine, <clears throat> sixty. Okay, let's head back to our seats. Perfect. Okay, I didn't really hear any specifics amongst the hubbub. Um, but I heard from the people I talked to, one, one thing that I heard was watch, or it was watch less TV before bed. And I feel like I resonate with that. And ironically, you said that was like the same thing that you've already seen. Is it The Office? It's The Office, yeah, yeah. I, I get it, I get it, I get it. It's, never gets old. <clears throat> um, I want to share with you some stats that I found. I went on uh, abcnews.org, something, it was a very reliable source. Uh, and I found... What were the top four New Year's resolutions for 2019? So, number one, can anybody throw out a guess what they think number one is? <laughs> Exercise, which is ironically what I said. Uh, I'm feeling I'm getting a little bit bigger in the tummy area, so might need to, might need to, maybe I just need to stop eating at 10 o'clock at night. That's probably what helped too. Uh, but exercise, that was, I think, 38% uh, as far as the rankings went. It's actually down from last year. Last year was 41%. I thought that was interesting. Number two, not too much of a surprise, was travel more. See new places. I don't think this was long-term. It was more of just kind of explore, get to know the world. Uh, Number three was get a new job. That was about 10%, which I don't know. That actually surprised me, Um, but I know that has been more of a trend with uh, the younger folks around here is finding a new job kind of pretty frequently. Uh, And last but not least was, pretty positive, find new friends. I think that's pretty good, right? I think if we all tried to do 
these things, maybe we would be happier. I'm not sure. I can't tell. Um, but that was it. Oh, what is this one? Number five, visit mylcc.info at least once per day and twice on Sundays. I think, I think Dan got a hold of my PowerPoint and added that in there. Where is he? Somewhere around here. Right there. Did, does that? No, that was me. I can't lie. Uh, if, you haven't been to, if you haven't been to mylcc.info, it's a pretty cool website. It's got a lot of info about what we do here. Um, but yeah, so I wanted to start out talking about New Year's resolutions. And these are all good things, but are these the changes that our whole year should revolve around? Um, maybe after today, you will rethink or add to your list of New Year's resolutions. Also, youth group, it's resolution, not revolution. The sooner you figure that out, uh, the less you'll get made fun of as you get older. <laughs> resolution with an S. Um, but yeah, this, this shouldn't surprise us, but sometimes it still does. We are, whether we want to be or not, beings that are constantly in flux or beings that are in change. Um, sometimes the changes can be small, and sometimes they're huge. Sometimes you get married. Hey. I got... I got married a month and a half ago, and I told her I would give her a shout out. There you go. Um, One of the questions that we will answer today is, who does God want me to be today? It's going to be one of our big questions that we're going to answer. Who does God want me to be today? And that question begs the next question of, how do I get there? Uh, And we will get to that, but for now, let's focus on figuring out what kind of person that God wants me to be today. So I want to dive right into a big word that hopefully the youth group knows. Uh, Petra led the youth group in a talk, or I guess a message, a couple weeks ago. And that big word was sanctification. Okay, oh, I I see a yes. Okay, raise your hand if you know what sanctification means or if you could describe it. It's a big word. Okay, raise your hand if you remember hearing the word sanctification. Okay, okay, so there we go. Okay, that, that is okay. Uh, I, I looked up a, a pretty good definition. Don't worry, I, I expected that. Um, this was according to the Westminster Catechism. It said, sanctification is the work of God's free grace, whereby we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God and are enabled more and more to die unto sin and live unto righteousness. Okay, again, big words describing an even bigger word. I made a more simpler version for me. Uh, And so I put, sanctification describes the process of sinful men and women, all of us, who have put their faith in Christ, seeking to do less sinful things and hoping to do more God-glorifying things. I think that's a good word for sanctification. Once you put your faith in Christ, you are on board in the process of sanctification. You know, sometimes we mess up, but we're trying our best. Now, I want to dive into also some scripture that talks about transformation or our spiritual transformation known as sanctification. And so I found a passage in Colossians, Colossians 3, that talks about some good things that God intends us to be along with some other things that God does not want us to be. So we're going to skip. It's going to go 1 through 4 of Colossians 3 and then 12 through 17. Those are the good parts. Then we'll go back and look at the bad. So I'm going to read this out loud for you guys. You can look it up if you want, but it's on the screens. It says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another 
And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all, put these and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And I do want to point out, I added the bold word, or I didn't add the bold words. I bolded some of the words and underlined them. That's not in the Bible. I did that. I just thought those words stuck out to me, and I wanted to make sure they stuck out to you. Uh, so again, I think we could all agree, uh, that's a pretty good description of, of a human being. If somebody did all these things, I think they'd be a pretty swell guy that we'd all want to hang out with. Um, now, let's move one step further and look at some of the bad things that Christ does not want us to be. Some of the things that he did not intend us to be here on this earth. Verses 5 through 11 reads, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, big word, I think it says, side, side, oh, I never changed the slide. Oh, whoops, Daisy. Did I change the slide? Oh, I just went forward. Oh, I went forward two slides now. Uh, Matt, could you, could you back us up two slides? To, there should be a, a slide that says Colossians 3, verses 5 through 11. Oh, well, that's a darn shame. I think Dan took that one out, too. Uh, but it's okay. You guys can listen. Uh, there's a big word that I can't pronounce, but I believe it refers to somebody. A uh, slave free, but Christ is all and in all. Um, I'm going to be really honest with you. I, I read the first and the last part of that passage, and I say, that is great. You know, be kind, be compassionate, God-fearing, loving. And I'm like, you know, I, 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 can, I can do those, okay? And then I read the last passage, and I think, okay, now those, those I, I do, though. I do do those too, and it's hard, and, and it's something that we should wrestle with in reading both of those, and that well, these are things that we need to be honest about. We can't lie to ourselves and say, oh, you know, those are bad things that bad people do. We've all sinned. So if I were to lay it out for you, this is what God intends us to be each day. God wants us to be people who, and this is based off of the passages that we just read, he wants us to be people that seek the eternal glory. Originally, I'd wrote down, seek eternal glory. That sounds kind of self-centered, but the eternal glory being God. Along with that, he wants us to seek humility while we are still here on earth. He wants us to care less about ourselves and more about others and him. He also wants us to be people that are just kind and loving. People that love their neighbor just as they love themselves. People that promote harmony. This can be a tricky one. Because nobody's more right than me. Uh, that's something that I struggle with sometimes, but God doesn't cost that. He calls us to get along with others, even if it's hard. This was something really important. God said, uh, whatever you do, whether it's word or deed, do it in the name of God. And I think that's important. And I, I know when I read this, I thought, you know, there are some things that I don't want to do in the name of God. And I thought to myself, maybe I shouldn't do it. Huh. Yes. I was learning as I was figuring out this message. And lastly, 
according to that list of bad things, we need to put an end to the things that are sinful. There are some things in life that we just can't go on with anymore if we want to be closer to what God intended us to be. Okay, so I know what you're thinking, but how, Brett? All right, so how do we do these things? Sometimes it's easier to look at examples of other people. And when I started thinking about that, I thought, man, you know, the guy who wrote that whole passage in Colossians, it sounds like he had a lot of things figured out. So I decided to look deeper into uh, our buddy Paul, uh, which he's going to help us answer our big question number two, which is how do we become who God wants us to be today? All right, Paul is going to help us out in answering that question. So a little bit about Paul. If you've never heard of him, he was a religious leader in biblical times after Jesus was born and died and resurrected and went up into heaven. He was a religious leader who hunted down other Christians, and he didn't just hunt them down. He was ruthless. He killed them. Um, And in a pretty big twist, he actually became one of the most famous people from the Bible and one of the greatest apostles who has ever lived. He's actually one of my favorite people from the Bible. I love a lot of the books that he helped write. Um, Now, how can we learn from him? I thought to myself, you could read a lot about Paul, but I think you learn a lot about someone when you read their own writing. And thankfully, uh, Paul wrote a lot of letters that are now books in our Bible. And so what we're going to do is we are going to take a look at some of the letters that he wrote and see just how Paul, you know, became exactly what God intended him to be. So first, we're going to look at a part of a letter that he wrote to a church in Galatia. It's the book of Galatians. It goes like this. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And now the life I now, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's pretty impactful. We're going to look at another verse in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Paul wrote, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, And behold, the new has come. In my favorite book of the Bible, Romans, and also a really, really good chapter of Romans, Romans 12, Paul wrote to the church in Rome, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And if we were to look at those three passages back to back, there are a couple themes that we see through them, one of which is just the theme of transformation. Paul talked a lot about putting on a new self and away with the old self. And another thing that goes directly along with that is the theme of Christ and Christ's sacrifice and, and what Christ did for us on the cross. And I realized that Paul was able to grow more and more each day in his faith because Paul remembered the gospel. This was something that is all throughout his writing. If you look throughout his writing, he references Christ's sacrifice on the cross many, many times. Um, and I didn't write this down, but I, I did it intentionally, and it, it just hit me more and more as we're singing. We did not sing a song called Look to the Sun by accident or a song called Center My Life or one that talked about, you know, in my heart and my soul, God, I give you control, consume me from the inside out, or even a song that strictly says to the cross I look. Uh, we did that because it's important for us every single day, no matter where we're at in our, in our faith, to remember what Christ did for us in the cross and remember the gospel. 
But even though I try and make it easy on all of us, this is not easy. Um, it's, it's, it can be actually very hard. Um, but we'll, we'll get into that in a second. I, first, I want to expound upon Paul remembering Christ's sacrifice on the cross and how the gospel impacted all of his decisions. And I, I want you to, to think about that a little bit. How could the gospel affect my decisions today? And I want to start out with a couple examples. When was the last time you, you were about to make a decision and you thought to yourself, how does my understanding of the gospel affect the decision I'm about to make? Um, one example could be you're at the grocery store and you've got 1% milk, you've got 2% milk, and you're like, the gospel has nothing to say about this at all. Okay, I'll buy whatever, because it doesn't matter. Uh, maybe you are putting on a belt and you're thinking, black belt, brown belt, the gospel not really coming into play there either. And f- okay, first of all, I just want to clear it up. If it's just match your shoes. Just, if you're wearing brown shoes, you got a brown belt like me. It's easy. I figured that out like a month ago when I got married. <laughs> it's real easy. Everybody knows that. Um, and lastly, this is actually a, this is a big one. This is a big one. Uh, in creamer, hazelnuts, French vanilla. Raise your hand if you would rather choose. I heard people saying it. It's a strong topic. Raise your hand if you would rather have hazelnut. All right. You are on my wife's team. All those in favor of French vanilla. Oh, okay. So I guess we got to buy French vanilla next time. Um, actually, this last time we just bought both, and we were both happy. It was great. Um, but those, those, are silly, those are silly decisions where the gospel doesn't need to come into play. But what about this? Do I let that person driving in front of me who five minutes ago, did not use their blinker, merge, or do I speed up? What do I do? I do believe that the gospel would have something to say about that decision. Uh, on, a, on a more serious note, do I give the man or woman who may or may not be homeless but has asked for help my money, or do I help him in other ways, or do I simply keep walking? The gospel has a lot to say about that. When my coworkers talk about how they spend their Sundays, do I join in and tell them about my Sunday morning experience here at church, or do I avoid the conversation because I don't want them to think less of me? And I, I work at a church. I work here. I have an amazing job. I love you all. And I will come out and say that I have failed in that way. I, there have been times where I have been squeamish, and I have I've not wanted to talk about it, and I have regretted it later, but the gospel has a lot to say about that. Okay, so again, this sounds easy, but it's not. I want to share a quote with you from the great theologian Milton Vincent, who sounds like he's from the 1500s, but he's still alive. Um, one, of my, one of my favorite books called The Gospel Primer. It's a very, very short book. This is an entire chapter right here. This is chapter two. So if you're looking for an easy book to read, but will have a lot of depth, this is it. He says, The gospel is so foolish, according to my natural wisdom, so scandalous, according to my conscience, and so incredible, according to my timid heart, that it is a daily battle to believe the full scope of it as I should. There is simply no other way to compete with the forebodings of my conscience, the condemnations of my heart, and the lies of the world and the devil, than to overwhelm such things with the daily rehearsings of the gospel. It's hard, but it's worth it, and it's something that we should do every day. What Milton is saying is that our hearts, even after we are saved by our faith in Christ, often run back to sinful desires. It is only by constantly rehearsing the truths of the gospel that we are ever able to overcome those desires and truly be what God wants us to be today, 
Notice how I didn't say tomorrow. Notice how I didn't say tonight, right now, today. Uh, But still, it's not easy, and we can't do it by ourselves. Not even Paul could do it alone. If we look at Scripture, it talks about Paul. He went on a couple missionary journeys to a lot of different places. And on each of those journeys, he had some buddies. Uh, The first one is Barnabas. If you don't know about Barnabas, you could look him up. Uh, on the internet, or you could read your Bible, heaven forbid. Um, Barnabas was an amazing guy and did a lot of good things. And one of my favorite things about Barnabas and Paul's relationship is that I build it up, I build it up. They actually got into a huge fight at one point during their journey and split up, which sounds terrible, but the way that the author describes it is that they actually split up and were able to share the gospel, the good news of Christ, to twice as many places. So, I think that's a pretty cool fact. Uh, Another companion that Paul had was Silas. He went with Paul when uh, Barnabas and John Mark went a different way. Paul and Silas went a different way. Uh, And lastly, the writer of Acts, uh, Luke, went with Paul on one of his journeys. And Acts, even Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, says that Paul had many other companions. He was not really a loner, wasn't one to, to travel alone. Paul surrounded himself with other people who could help him rehearse the gospel on a daily basis because he knew he couldn't do it alone. We need to be like Paul and surround ourselves with people that we can trust and honestly and transparently go through life together. The worst thing that we could do is lie to each other and ourselves and say that we are fine when we really know we're not. All right, let's do a quick recap of what we've talked about this morning. Each day, God wants us to be people that seek the eternal glory, which is God, seek humility while still on earth, are kind and loving with their words and actions, people who live to promote harmony, people who do everything in the name of God, not our own, and people who put an end to what is sinful. We do those things by reminding ourselves each day of the truths found in the gospel, that is, that God sent his son Christ to live on this earth and die as a sacrifice so that if we put our faith in him, we will spend eternity with him. Uh, And lastly, we are called to go through life together. It's not something that God ever intended us to do alone. Um, If you look all throughout Scripture, God never intended us to go through life truly alone. We were called to lean on each other and help each other to focus on what really matters. Um, And before we finish, I want to leave you with a challenge, something that you can work on even right now. As we end and head into the new year, I want to present a challenge for you while you think about your resolutions. Sometimes change doesn't require, um, doesn't just require doing or starting something. Sometimes it means ending something that we are right in the middle of, and that can be difficult. If you are sitting here and you know that there are some bad lifestyle choices that you are right in the middle of, and you need to put an end to them today, if you need help, look around. There are plenty of people here, including myself, who would love to help and meet you where you're at. Uh, in a minute, the band is going to come up and... Uh, perform a song. And I actually heard this song a couple of weeks ago at a concert that I went to. It was a Kian Country concert. I'd never listened to any of their music, and I was, I was blown away. I thought their music was so good. And one of the writers of the song, one of the brothers, uh, explained one of the songs, and it's called Burn the Ships. Um, and I want to explain what the theme of this song is first, because that way you'll understand it. This song alludes to the theme of explorers burning their ships when they made it to shore of places that they were exploring. One famous person from the 1500s, Hernan Cortez, noted that when him and his crew made it to shore, he burned their ships that they had ridden in. 
so that the crew would never have the choice of getting back in them and going back to where they once were. It's, it's a harsh example, yes, but it truly demonstrates the theme of moving forward. And sometimes the only way to truly move towards, quite, towards Christ and away from sin is to let go of or burn anything that can take us back to what we once were. So my challenge is this. As you listen to this song, think to yourselves, in light of Christ's sacrifice, what ships do we need to burn today so that we can focus our lives more around God? Let's pray. God, we we love you. We're thankful for what you did for us. God, we just celebrated your birth, but God, your birth would be meaningless without your sacrifice on the cross. God, your son Christ humbled himself and, and came to us in the form of a baby and lived life as a man so that we could have the opportunity to put our faith in you and spend eternity with you. God, I pray that that truth never leaves us. I pray that tomorrow we wake up and the first thing that we think of is, God, we're thankful for you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.